Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, it's Lawrence, and you know I love history, especially when we're talking about the history of our beautiful city. This podcast, Shades of the City, is exactly the type of stuff that I like. Lauren Brown is doing an incredible job of sharing stories that we don't ordinarily hear. And this particular episode is with someone who has become a sensation over the last few months. You see him on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook and on TikTok. Dilla himself, one of the most interesting historians that Chicago has ever seen. You are in for a treat with this podcast. Shades of the City, here we go. Hey y'all, it's Lauren, and this is Shades of the City. Our very first guest is a Southside Chicago native whose TikToks on Chicago history have gone viral. From being featured on The Kelly Clarkson Show to working on a Netflix series, Sherman Dilla Thomas prides himself on educating the next generation of Chicagoans and shining a positive light on the city. But TikTok is just a platform for him to discuss the things he already knew. From a very young age, Dilla's father taught him about Chicago history. That was his like love language, right? Or how he and I, uh, you know, interacted together. So it was a lot of quizzes, right? You know, like what number east is, uh, you know, Jeffrey, right? If you couldn't say uh, 20, 100 east, you know, uh, you couldn't touch his car, right? That kind of stuff. Um, but, it, you know, sometimes it'd be really complex, right? He talked to me about the displacement of the Greeks from the west side when they built UIC and when it was built in 290, right? Sometimes it'd be um, correcting something, right? Like we'd be talking about the city would be talking about Fort Dearborn and other things as its inception while not necessarily honoring uh, uh, John Baptiste Point du Sable. So my father was big on honoring that. So, yeah, I got a lot of Chicago from him. When I was a kid, it was always a game. And then as, as I got older, it was just um, he wanted to make sure I understood why things were the way they were, you know, at their root causes. Right. It was, it was real simple to to see a place like Inglewood in the 90s and want to blame all the crime on the residents. Right. But uh, he made sure that I was aware that during the 50s when it was white flight, not only did the white residents leave Inglewood, but they took the, their small businesses with them. They took. Uh, the business infrastructure and, and, and that hurts residents who, who find themselves living in that space afterwards. His late father was a police officer for 30 years and a member of the African-American Police League. Like many black Chicagoans, his family migrated from the Deep South. 
His mother came from Mississippi. My mother's side of the family, they, they came from like Oklahoma and Arkansas. Uh, they, my mother's side of the family been in Chicago a little longer than my dad's side of the family. My mom's side of the family been here since like 1932. Uh, my dad's side of the family got here about 1944, 45. Uh, but my dad, he uh, was a proud West Sider. He grew up on the West Side in uh, North Lawndale. Um, went to Marshall High School, Vietnam veteran. Through his dad's eyes and experiences, he learned about the entire city of Chicago, not just his own neighborhood. I was fortunate enough to where he, he would take, uh, you know, me and my siblings around the whole entire city, north side, east side, west side. So even that kind of made us different than the kids in my neighborhood. A lot of them never really left Arbor Gresham. You know, downtown would like be the biggest thing they would do. Like uh, we, we would go downtown so much it was boring to me by the time I was a teenager, you know. So uh, I, I had a fortunate uh, upbringing. The lessons he learned from his father and other historians motivates him to educate the next generation on the importance of Chicago and its history. I now certainly understand it to be my job, right? I used to look at like verbal history or, or storytelling and think that it had gaps in it. Like, man, you can't trust what people say type of thing. But now I'm learning like the writing is what a lot of time has gaps because when you're writing a story, you got time to think, you got time to say, I don't like how the way this sound, let me add. And a lot of times when you're telling a story, people can very quickly realize when you're telling some bull crap in the story, whether they know it or not, right? And so passing down tradition, and that's just what Africans have always done. And so as African-Americans, I think that's still inside us as well. And I think it's needed too. A lot of people aren't going to open a book to receive their history, but they need their history. You know, uh, uh, history is the blueprint that kind of helps you go forward. Right. And, and I feel very strongly about, about that storytelling. I'm uh, always impressed when I run into other historians here in Chicago, like when I met Dr. Tamil Black, uh, the 102-year-old historian who just passed away, just how how much he could rattle off and, and how passionate he was about it. It was very inspiring. So that's, that's what I'm hoping to do for the next couple of decades at least. With so much knowledge on Chicago, what better way to reach an audience than TikTok? He credits his wife and daughter Bailey for showing him the platform. My wife got on TikTok and she'd be laying in bed laughing all day. And uh, she told me to get a TikTok. I was resistant. Then my um, she's nine now, but she was eight and she got on TikTok. And I'm like, you know, that's a little young to have your own kind of TikTok account. Let me let me see what's what's to it. And she used to uh, want me to do the dances with her, right? You know, so I, I entertained it the best I can, but I, I suck at dancing. So um, I was trying, she, but she would be like upset, right? She, we do a TikTok and get 10 views, whatever. I, I wasn't paying no attention, but she'd be like upset. You know, she wants to go viral. So I was like, man, Bailey, if you want to go viral, look, right? I'm going to like feed you Chicago stories. You know what I'm saying? And I had you talk about the first night Wrigley Field had lights, you know, that 888 game, right? And, um... I was like, yo, you a cute little girl. You're going to go viral in no time. Like, we're going we gonna to build an audience, but it's work. You're going to have to read. You're going to have to do this. And she she didn't want to uh, do that. That The history ain't her thing, right? That's what she told me. And so I did a couple just to show her, like, it would generate more views than the, uh, than the dancing. And uh, I couldn't give, convince her to join. You know, she'll make a cameo or something now, but she ain't going to do no research for me. Um but yeah, that's how I started. That's what got me going on the videos. And then compliments are kind of like addiction. You know, people in the comments like, hey, do another one. Or sometimes I would be like surprised that people didn't know this simple thing or what I thought was simple, right? 
Um, and then, like I say, it, I've always that's just like what I do. Um, if you on a long road trip with me, at some point we're gonna be talking about Chicago, right? If if I see another tour group downtown and they're the pausing talking, I'm gonna interject myself and continue whatever the point or point out something else historical in that space. So I've always done it. Um, I just think TikTok allowed for me to do it on a bigger bigger platform now and. And I'm big on, like, preparation plus opportunity equals success. You know what I mean? I've been independently studying Chicago for, like, 25 years. And uh, the opportunity came, and I was successful. He remembers his very first viral TikTok, focusing on Lower Wacker Drive and how difficult it is to navigate it, even as a Chicagoan. Just how people going back and forth in the comments, talking about how the GPS get lost down there. Um, and then, like, older Chicago ones remember a different version of Lil Wacker Drive. It used to be really dark and scary down there. Um, and then nobody knows how to navigate it, right, except for, like, the people, who uh, us who work downtown. Um, but, yeah, most of the time we get, like, four or 5,000 views. And when when I made Lil Wacker Drive, I posted it. It had, like, four or 5,000 views. I went to sleep, and when I woke up, it was, like, 100,000. I'm like, oh, and, you know. <laughs> That's why I was like, okay, we might have something here. This is Upper and Lower Wacker Drive, a road here in Chicago that many Chicagoans have gotten lost on. And right now, I'm not going to be able to tell you how to navigate it. I can tell you why we call it Wacker Drive, though. Originally a part of the 1909 Chicago plan by Daniel Burnham and Edward Bennett, a double-decker road was thought to ease the traffic congestion on Michigan Avenue. Upper and Lower Wacker Drive will replace River Street and South Water Street. It was completed in 1926 for $8 million and it was named after the commissioner of the Chicago plan, Charles Wacker. Charles Wacker was born August 29, 1856. He was a director of the Columbian World Exposition, and at one point he was president of Chicago Title and Trust Company. He's also famous for being part of the group that standardized the process for refrigerating beer. Hey, good job, Charles. Dark Knight and the Blues Brothers made Lil Wacker Drive famous, but if you get lost, just give a homeless dude a dollar, he'll help you. I was doing one a day uh, to start off. Just um, I don't necessarily want to say intentional, but just... Uh, People were asking for it, right? Like, it was so new. And then, you, you know, at the beginning, you, you ain't no trolls, right? It's just like the people who appreciate your art. And so, like, people who live in other places will say, oh, man, this is making me homesick. Oh, man, I didn't know that. Or teachers were saying, I'm going to play this in my class tomorrow. You should make another one. And so that was, like, inspiring me. And I had a... Now some subjects I might research or uh, just to add something more to the video but in the beginning like I didn't need to research any of them those were just like Chicago stuff I, I casually knew and so it was sort of easier to bang them out one a day I just needed to find the b-roll just to go with them and because I'm such a nerd even I, I probably I had some of those files like in a google drive somewhere so um it, it takes hours to you know to edit them and, and do all of that and I was new to, to using tiktok so it really took time and even as his social media following continues to grow, Dilla is dedicated to his day-to-day -day job as an area operator for ComEd, proving that he can balance work with creativity. I think a lot of us move in that kind of space, right? People like teach and go home and Uber and you know what I mean? You might work for Amazon and then, then do DoorDash, right? So um, it's Chicago, everybody work hard. You know, that's like kind of what we do. Um, 
so it's a little rough. Uh, as an area operator, it's a demanding job. They can call me in anytime, right? It's 24 hours a day. Uh, I get a lot of forced overtime and stuff like that. So I, I just do, do my rule is I don't think about nothing when I'm in front of the electricity, right? Because the electricity is unforgiving. And then after that, if I'm not directly in front of electricity, I just let them blend together. Comet has been really gracious. Like, you know, just don't be abusive to their clock, right? But uh, say if this conversation we were having right now, it was a, a phone Zoom or something like that, I could do that on the clock as long as I let a boss know or something like that. Like, hey, I'm going to be on this Zoom for 20 minutes. I don't have anything pressing in front of me. They've been really, really cool about that. Uh, I think because they recognize it's positive, you know, so... Um, this has been like a hodgepodge. Now that Dilla has stepped into the world of content creation, I wanted to know how he feels about being an influencer. It's so weird to be an influencer due to like trying to t- teach stuff, right? It would be different if I was like one of people just made like comedy skits, right? Like I think that's your intention to be an influencer and to be in that space. It, it, it certainly wasn't mine. Um, I just happened to use social media to disseminate history. And um, I don't trivialize it though, right? Like it's people who work really, really hard to be social media influencers, you know, like that's that's what they're, uh, that's what they want their job to be. I, I just try to, uh, I, I just hope my influence is more so toward inspiring people to love and appreciate history more so than, you know, be on social media, right? Do that because you want to do it. But if, if I'm influencing you to do something, let it be like gain some civic pride. It's, it's really hard to treat, treat a space bad when you know more about it. Even though he doesn't consider himself the typical influencer, he is hoping to inspire people to view Chicago in a different light and make his family proud along the way. I try to take myself out of it and say like, because I'm such a big fan of Chicago, if this was anybody else from Chicago this was happening to, I would be so excited for them. I'd be pumped, I'd be celebrating them. I'd be so happy that Chicago's on the news for something that's not violence and corruption. Uh, and so as, as humbly as I can be about it, I'm happy that it's, it's for those reasons. Uh, my parents are no longer with me, but I think about them and like, how they raised me um, will probably feel like the ultimate payoff, right? You turn on Kelly Clarkson and they go, your your son talking about history, right? Not, you know, doing anything else. So uh, I'm appreciative. It's, it's, it's crazy. People stop me at work. People ask for selfies, you know. Uh, I, I just try to take it all in stride and um, just hope I'm putting out good content since it's, this is now what I do. And his next big thing is working on writing a pilot for a Netflix series, which he has never done before. But with the help of other famous Chicagoans like Matthew Cherry, Thomas Lennon, Jason Weaver, and just a Chicago mentality, he is sure he will get it done. Well, we invent so much stuff in America, right? And so, like, to and I'm especially appreciative of that now trying to write a pilot, right? To invent something from nothing is really, really a hard thing to do, you know, to maybe enhance something that's already there is a little bit easier. And Chicago, we, we build a lot of something out of nothing. People, a lot of amazing people come from the housing projects and housing projects had little or no support. Right. Um, I come from Marvin Gresham and I call it the gangbang nineties. It was a little bit rough. Right. But 
it was um, through just being a, a thoughtful and, and navigating certain spaces that me and a lot of other people survive. And so I think about it like that too. Like, man, if I could survive going to the route and to the rink on 87th Street bus and the 63rd Street bus, if I could talk my way out of so many times getting ready to get, you know, the, the wrong end of somebody's Nikes, I could probably figure out how to write a pilot, you know, mm-hmm. like just just that, right? On, on multiple fronts, I didn't talk my way out of getting jumped in Bridgeport by the Irish dudes. I didn't talk my way out of getting jumped by the Puerto Ricans in Humboldt Park. I didn't talk my way out of getting jumped by the brothers on 79th and uh, Stony Island, right? So if I could figure that out, I'm sure I could figure out a pilot. And I, I think a lot of Chicagoans feel that way about a lot of stuff. We go to work when it's 10 degrees, right? It'd be windshield, windshield negative 30, and we'd be on the bus waiting for buses with kids. You know what I'm saying? So we, if we can navigate that, ain't really nothing we can't navigate. A common thread throughout our conversation was how impactful Chicago culture is on the rest of the world. And Dilla says, we've always had influence and always will. Anywhere you go in the world, they're trying to sell you a Chicago-style hot dog. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to say that. Uh, just uh, um, <clears throat> how we do music, right? Our our sound. Uh, right now, if you're a rap fan, like, every ad. It was a time every ad-lib sounded like Jeezy. And then Chief Keep came out, and now every single ad-lib by every single rapper right now is a cadence of something that Chicago kids were just casually saying for years, right? Like, that's that's influence. That's impact. Um, how, like I said, when we build stuff, right, The, the um, they think of, like, Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania is for, for steel, but we have more steel mills. And then, like, when stuff gets built out of Chicago, it got to survive so many seasons. It gotta, it's got to survive salt. It got to survive 100 degrees. It got to survive so much. So it's really, really made to last. And so for a very long time, people preferred tools that were made in Chicago, right? Because we're in the center of the country. All the trains intersect here. It's still, right now, all, most major freight, if it goes from the East Coast to the West Coast and vice versa, it's going to go through Chicago, right? And it's always done that for, like, the last... 150 years so um, freight brings people in as those people take their freight out they take our influences with them right so yeah we're very impactful on the country being able to learn more about Chicago's impact is one of the main reasons why I look forward to Dilla's videos here's a couple of my favorites Yo, what's up? It's your favorite neighborhood historian, Dylan. Anytime you turn on the national news and they mention Chicago, it's probably going to be something bad. But I personally know that everything dope about America was either made in or made better by Chicago. Let me give you a couple of examples. Right now, you're probably watching this video on your cell phone and you can thank a Chicago company for the invention of the first ever commercial cell phone. Chicagoans Paul and Joseph Galvin created the Galvin Manufacturing Company. The Galvin Manufacturing Company would give America its first ever commercially produced car radio. Imagine being on a road trip with your parents and there's no radio, bruh. Come on. Before cell phones, we all had pagers and Motorola gave us that too. And yes, that does include the two-way pager. Yes, that comes from Chicago. Motorola also gave us the walkie-talkie. So when security radios down to the principal's office to kick you out of class, you can thank Chicago for that, too. They say baseball is America's pastime and Chicago is super involved in the game. Both the Cubs and the White Sox are some of the oldest teams in the MLB. 
But beyond that, Chicago gives us the Spalding brand and the Wilson brand. Spalding is credited with popularizing wearing a baseball glove and Wilson standardized the catcher's mitt. Now, I'm not saying that bicycles were invented in Chicago, but the Swin bicycle was. Swin bikes were the most popular bikes in the country for a very long time. And I mean, come on, look at this thing. It's absolutely amazing. Often imitated, never duplicated. Chicago gave you the Chicago mixed style of popcorn. Come on, you want something right now, don't you? You know, Chicago also gives us wave grease. I'm not saying we invented hair grease, but I'm saying we invented wave grease. So the next time you see somebody taking off their do-rag for a wave check, you can thank Chicago for that too. Greatest city on earth. Shades of the City's mission is to serve the community and the people. Through our podcast, we want the people to have a chance to tell their story, just like Dilla. I think that's what you're doing is cool. I think the format is cool. It uh, mean people where they are. You get a sense. People are more relaxed when they are, right? Sometimes when you go down to a station or something like that, you put on airs, you know, you're going downtown or whatever. Um, but then also, it's mutually beneficial because maybe the reporter or, or the journalist isn't from that area. Maybe they, they might have had preconceived notions, right? So... Uh, you're able to change people's perceptions, right, with, with personal interactions. Uh, so that's a good thing. Uh, and then the audience, if they trust or have a relationship with the correspondent, maybe they'll also visit that, you know, that neighborhood. Maybe um, going out to the neighborhood, you it might not cross your mind today, but you know, oh, I remember when I went interviewed Dilla, I, I saw that Afro Cafe, right? I might want to stop that. Like those type of things really, really matter, and uh, they radiate out and make the city better. To stay up to date on what Sherman Dilla Thomas is doing in the community, follow him on all social media platforms at the number six F-I-G-G-A underscore D-I-L-L-A. And if you want to tour the city through his eyes, go to ChicagoMahogany.com to go on a Chicago Mahogany tour across the city. This show is produced by me, Lauren Brown, co-produced by Jillian DeGroot, and overseen by managing editor Jay Zawoski. From WBBM and Odyssey, this is Shades of the City. Be sure to subscribe on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.